Injury Time with Darren and Jordan. It's always entertaining and it's never boring. They're talking about all the different sports from the hockey rink to the tennis courts. <laughs> we haven't covered tennis once. Welcome to uh, Injury Time Podcast, I'm John Romsey. I'm Darren Matthews. Uh, hey Darren, how was your Halloween? Uh, Halloween was fine, uh, the dogs didn't go too wild at the fireworks uh, flying about the place. I had to work, uh, I think I had one attempt at a trick-or-treater and yeah. I was like, fuck off, it's Covid! <laughs> uh, all in that, it was... I the household. Yeah, it was fine. What about you? Uh, yeah, I did nothing but watch all kind of like, I watched that movie on Netflix, the one with Tom Holland, uh, Devil All The Time. I have not seen that. Man, it, it was really good. Good I, show? I, I'm almost tempted to change this into a movie review podcast just to talk about that film. I always go classic horror for Halloween, so I watched John Carpenter's The Thing, yeah, I which the thing too. which you had never seen before. Never that is seen. madness. It was great. It was a great movie. I told you, it's still even good after made in like 1982. And then the other one I watched was the the newest version of Halloween, Halloween 2018. Oh yeah, which the they're making the sequel to now. Jamie Lee Curtis, not the Rob Zombie ones. Uh, yes, the Jamie Lee Curtis one, which is a direct sequel, but uh, not a lot of sport involved them so not much we can yeah, talk about exactly, in the podcast exactly i don't know why i went with halloween there. uh so yeah a bunch happened this week uh in sporting terms um we've definitely cut down the amount of football that we're talking about this week because there's a lot of rugby on as well and that's true as well the, uh football started or the um ga started back yeah, that was that was back. I watched the. I, I got home from work and I watched the France and Ireland game. Oh yeah, no, I didn't get watching it. But oh. Apparently it was, yeah. Two teams and all they did was do England a favour. <laughs> exactly, which you know, notoriously both countries hate England. Yeah, I know it was really weird, especially in sporting terms. But sure, whatever. Uh, the only real Halloween kind of horror show we can talk about on here is uh, the Man United score. But we'll get to that. We've yeah. we've we've got other games to cover first. This week in sport. So yeah, we'll jump into the scores. Okay, so the first game we're going to talk about today, Darren, is uh, your favorite team, Manchester United, against Red Bull Leipzig. I appreciate you starting with this to put me in good form yeah. before <laughs> we talk about what happened at the weekend later. Uh, it was it was a weird match. Um, did you get to see the highlights? I watched the whole thing. Yeah, like, serious? Yeah. So um, it's kind of weird for it to finish that way when... The score would kind of indicate that United bossed the whole game, which was not the case. Definitely not. Yeah, but like at the end, you know, Rashford coming off the bench, score a hat-trick. Like, is there anything that man can't do anymore? Which was funny as well, because the old joke when you can't score is that he couldn't finish his dinner. Yeah. And he's actually just provided several <laughs> school dinners for a player to Rashford. <laughs> Yeah, no, the three was great. It seemed like uh, Martial again, similar to the the Paris game, or the PSG game, sorry. Lots of opportunities, just couldn't get it done. And then Rashford came in and, and bossed it. It was great. So, yeah, it's a big score for United in Europe, which is, well, get the goal difference up, get the away goals up, exactly, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, but uh, scored seven, conceded one in two games. That's great. Not bad. Amazing, like, and um, with the... Uh, who was it? Greenwood scored as well. He had the opener, didn't he? Yes, Mason Greenwood. Yeah. It's kind of weird that he's been on the back burner because when Rashford was quiet, like halfway through last season, it was kind of like he was the new messiah. Yeah, he was definitely um, he was definitely a good sub to throw on and he was worth worth starting even as well. He's a young player. Uh, he's hungry, wants to play. He was, there was like himself and then there was a couple of other younger guys maybe in the last year or two, but a lot of, a lot of guys moved on. Like uh, Chong, yeah, he moved yeah, on. I thought he was a great player. Well, he's only on is he just known so we're getting him back that's yeah. good let him away off to develop play some proper first team football in a good league as well play exactly. if he's playing the Bundesliga but uh, no it was good to do that uh, to do that to get the two wins and then obviously the next game they're playing back to back games against the bottom tier team yeah, yeah. which I can't pronounce uh, yeah it's, it's not Besiktas but it's something like that it's a Turkish team from Istanbul yeah but pretty much so they've I don't think they've won a game yet yeah. like Leipzig have hammered them and PSG have hammered yeah, yeah, them yeah. so uh, do the wee uh the bit where we double check what they're called. I am, I'm going to have a go with this because I remember reading it and going, who's these guys? Is it like the first time in the Champions League? I think so. I think they're kind of, they're the new kids on the block, kind of like the Man City of the Turkish League. Istanbul Basaksehir. Basaksehir. Is that it? B-A-S-A-K-S-E-H-I-R. So Istanbul Basaksehir. Yeah, they seem to be the weapon boys of the group life. Which would be good, because if we play them back-to-back, if we can do them twice, that's, I mean, that's what, exactly, potentially that's 12 points in the first go. Yeah, yeah, I think if you even if you lose the next two after that, 
there is a mathematical equation of how many you need to win in a group to get on next oh, yeah. phase, isn't it? So yeah. that'll be it. But I, uh, even in the reverse leg uh, in Leipzig, I don't think it will be that much of an issue because obviously they've kind of they've almost become like a feeder team for the Premiership now with Timo Werner uh, going to uh, Chelsea and was it Kiate uh, who went to Liverpool, the number eight. Is he a Leipzig player yeah, too? He was a Leipzig player too. And Ethan Ampadu are is now at Sheffield. Are it? they are they like a new Ajax a selling club? Yeah. Or a, a, an academy club? Because the, the club only formed in two thousand nine. That's yeah, phenomenal. I know, but it's like it's with all the Red Bull teams, I think they kinda almost seem like a feeder club for each other because uh, there was talk about Holland uh, going to Leipzig instead of Dortmund because he came from Red Bull Salzburg. Okay. So I don't know, it seems to be like they're just kind of it's almost like, you know, the way Man City, New York City and Melbourne City are. Uh, when Frank Lampard went over to New York City to play, what, like his final season or something like that? Yeah, the, uh, the, the last cash grab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of, it almost feels like a, like in American sports when they have like farm teams. So uh, like, yeah, the say the product or, um, you know, the popularity of the sport in Melbourne is not going too well send Yaya Tori over to you know yeah get somebody over that people want to see exactly. sell some jerseys make yeah. some money yeah that's definitely it uh, moving on uh, to the Chelsea game uh, another team I can't pronounce against Chelsea the Russian team yes did you I, I didn't actually get to see this one so I you're going to have to you're going to have to I fill me in on this one uh, extended highlights um, Chelsea weren't uh, missed a penalty earlier on and then Hudson-Odoi uh, uh it's the weakest goal I've ever seen conceded in a Champions League match. It was it was soft as shit. I've seen some pretty horrendous goals oh, in the Champions League. Like. It was pretty bad. And then uh, Timo Werner made it 2-0 with a penalty. And uh, Pulisic and is it Silak? Uh, Hansik Silak or something? We really have to start rehearsing names. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on. Like we're just going to send each other WhatsApps of like pronunciations and going, does that sound right? What's a phonetic spelling? I don't get it. Yeah, man. yeah. Phonetic. Do I use my phone? <laughs> Phonetic. Oh, okay. Uh, those guys are called Krasnodar. Krasnodar? Which sounds like a bad guy from a Superman comic. Yeah, it really does. Kneel before Krasnodar. Um, but yeah, uh, fucking... What? That's two um, premiership teams with, uh, you know, scoring nine goals, conceding none in the Champions League. So I pose a question to you, Darren. Is it a case that the um, Barclays... Are, is it still a Barclays premiership? Let's just go Premiership, so yeah. we're not we're not so, fact checking ourselves. Um, so, is it that these teams in the Premiership are so good defensively, so good offensively that they're kind of just shining in all the European leagues, bar Tottenham? Or do they just have loads of cash and you love putting Tottenham down? Yeah, no, that, could be, <laughs> that could be true. Well, uh, yeah, Tottenham had another shit show, didn't they? Yeah, what was it? One 0 against uh, Royal Antwerp. Yeah. Fuck! Did you see Mourinho's post on uh, Instagram after it? Does he have Instagram? Yeah, yeah. I need to start yeah, following yeah. Oh, people. Man. It's a great Instagram too. Because it's kind of it's kind of like uh, what you'd expect, like kind of like a business influencer to have. But it was just him back like on the uh, plane sitting by himself staring into like the middle distance. <laughs> and uh, you know that song Mad World? It yes. was made to be played behind it. Just as he just <laughs> loses his mind slowly. Yeah. But then... Uh, Wait, was, was Bale playing? Yeah. So he's not. So far, he's not the messiah. He's just a very naughty boy. Yeah. <laughs> Got you. Um, but yeah, Bale ended up scoring at the weekend there against Barton. I saw that. Yeah, and it's very uh, contentious couple of games, um, with the old VAR decisions. But we'll cover the Liverpool. Uh, oh, what's this fucking team called? It's the pronunciation thing. Pronunci- I can't even pronounce the word pronunciation. Be honest. Did you only ask me to do this podcast so I can read names for you? <laughs> Please. Because you watch way more football than me, and I'm I just know, like, what's going on? So, wait a minute, was this Liverpool and Atalanta? No, it wasn't. That was, uh, that was yesterday's game. This was Michelin. That sounds about right. Wow, that, the spell of that is mental. Isn't it? That looks like somebody started writing something and then had a fit. It, it looks like a very strong password. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> they, haven't, they haven't, obviously, they have three losses, so they're oh. the weapon boys of the, the group. Goal difference is minus seven. They've took a couple of humpings there. Yeah, but a 2-0 win for uh, Liverpool. Uh, Alisson back, playing well. Uh, uh, Jota. Scoring again. Yep. He's, you know, seems to be the man on form. Uh, Shakiri and Trent Alexander-Arnold linking up well for the assist. Uh, Firmino was shite. Firmino? The entire game, yeah. Which was crazy because, I don't know, like, I don't know what else Steve Ocarigi has to do to get, like, a first-team start. 
but I don't know why Klopp is just married to the idea that Firmino has to be in like every lineup. Yeah, um, I mean like Origi's great that obviously for them to bring on, but yeah. the other thing as well is whenever they talk about picking teams to suit games, I'm just like. In the good old days, a good team yeah. was the the team you kept. There's so much more chopping there, yeah, so much more throwing them together. And I get I get the point of them being busier with schedules and yeah, fatigue, yeah. and obviously with COVID, everything's compacted. But picking teams must just be literally. Sometimes it looks like they're just throwing darts at the team sheet. <laughs> yeah, but like, and that's why like uh, you know academy players are now getting more starts in terms of not just the bigger teams, but also. Like I, I think the majority of the like League One is made up of Chelsea loan players at the minute. I just they have them somewhere. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. But um, yeah, uh, Salah ended up scoring a penalty, making it two 0 and that's what uh, eleven goals scored by English teams, none conceded. Oh, and a three 0 win uh, with Man City as well, but I didn't watch the highlights. Was it? Oh, that was their European game. Yeah, uh, I can't remember who they were playing. I think it was Porto. Mm, I don't think they beat Porto three 0 Was it not Olympiacos? No, no. They re- sorry, they already played them. Uh, Porto. Yes, sorry, it was Porto because Porto. That was their first loss recorded. I can see here. Yeah. Their goal difference is. Yeah, Man City's goal difference is eight. Yeah, they're great. Like, After three games, yeah, that's. They're they're playing a lot better than they are. Uh, like they're having this consistency in the Champions League more than they've had in the Premiership this season yeah Man City have um, scored 9 and only conceded 1 I wonder who scored against them um, was it who were they playing that scored against them I can't believe in that group that Marseille are the arse end of it yeah. surely they could beat Olympiacos maybe, yeah. maybe there's only 3 games played maybe they haven't played them yet uh, like maybe it's just uh, Dimitri Payet is such a snake that uh, you know they don't really deserve I'm not still bitter about that at all either, just in case you're wondering. Um, So moving on to the Premiership games, uh, I picked a couple out here. Uh, The two teams we support, the two most entertaining games, and uh, not the greatest results for either of us, but we'll start with the uh, West Ham-Liverpool game. VAR, man. Was this in Liverpool? Uh, This was in Anfield, yes. Anfield, go get Tell me more. So... Any, did you get watching the highlights? I, I only saw the goals, but what was what was the VAR contention? Was it that Liverpool apparently have invented VAR, or is it that one? Not, not even, because the the penalty that Salah scored um, wasn't a penalty. It's Mosaka. Uh, he makes contact with him, but not enough for him to, you know, be like Tom Daly. Did he go down like a, did he been, there was a sniper in the stands? Oh, man. Which is impossible, because no one's allowed in the stadium. Exactly, unless Klopp is, you know shooting his player yeah he's got an air gun um uh yeah it was it wasn't a penalty and that's when you go like VAR is the worst thing to happen to football <laughs> but then they they checked VAR against the first goal that Shada scored and uh, it was disallowed and it was 100% it was a very tight call but it was 100% foul on not only Fabianski but also uh, Ogbonna the centre back um, so and to be fair, Lucas Fabianski did well, even though being fouled. Um, and then Jada uh, linked up with uh, Sheldon Shakiri again, or Sheldon Shakiri linked up with Jada for another goal. And he, it's crazy how well he slipped into that uh, Liverpool team. He's hit the ground running. Something shocking. Man. Very annoying as well, probably for West Ham because they took the lead after ten minutes, exactly. which is a great start away. Yeah. And then a penalty, shitty enough to yeah. concede the uh, the equaliser, and then eighty five minutes. That's a pain in the arse. Mm. Liverpool yeah. are very much doing what, uh, as a United fan, it was nice to see years ago, which was the last ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. It was like a it was like a fitness thing or a determination thing, a mentality thing. I, it could be a mixture of all three, to be honest. Yeah, hard to hold out. But uh, I remember watching watching the game in the Kyber Tandori and Carrie Duff shout out to. The best Indian food. And if you want to sponsor our podcast, we eat a lot of food. Yeah, they're the best Indian in the country. Um, but yeah, I remember, like, I'm literally, mum's ringing me going, like, okay, where's the Indian? And I'm just like, hey, uh, they're taking a bit of time. I'm just sat there I can't leave. watching the game. The other thing as well is, though, is um, West Ham's possession was 27%. Where, did Liverpool get the draw and then just start passing it about? Pretty much. Doesn't look like they were pressing forward too much because they only had five. Like they had five shots in target, and uh, West Ham had three. Yeah. Based on that possession, is ridiculous. Yeah. See, West Ham have. Uh, I wouldn't exactly call it great counter-attacking football, but uh, they they pick their chances. You know, it's not a shot from everywhere. 
they try and get at least within what this uh you know when the the chance of scoring is higher than you know the chance of not scoring and actually from that as well because that has happened west ham are only one place above us on the table at the same point what are we doing back here uh this is something also i want to talk about i haven't got any scores about it but the decline of barcelona that we'll cover after the man united arsenal game yes and speaking of which yeah yeah uh man united arsenal we can beat the best in europe but uh arsenal will bother us yeah i know and the annoying thing was too in the great injustice that is sport, beaten in the means that we've been beating teams yeah, exactly. <laughs> a fucking penalty. Um, what do you think about, uh, did you see the uh, penalty given away by Pogba on Bellerin? Uh Yeah, apparently he was tired. Or he was, what did they say, he was out of breath? I was like, you're literally paid to be fit. Yeah, exactly. That's your only job. It's, Just be good enough to run about the place. What are you at? Um, so, as a United fan, what's your opinion on Paul Pogba? Is he still, like, he's... Rated 87 in the new FIFA game. He's buying that rating. Paul Pogba is the most un... I think there's two versions of him. Yeah. There's one that, I don't know, it's like, maybe like, he's literally a schizophrenic footballer. Sometimes he can try and do stuff and you're just like, unbelievable, that's fantastic, how did he do that? But the problem with it is his consistency, he's not doing it enough. Yeah. It's just like flashes in the pan. I'm like, mate, you're, you're, you're a highlight reel, you're not... Yeah. You know what I mean? I would rather have that guy who's give me 11 tryhards over a superstar who shows up every third game. I mean, like, I've been talking to different United fans and they're saying, like, um, oh, he's not, he's, play, he's playing that way just because, you know, he wants to force a transfer out of United to go back to maybe somewhere like Juventus or, you know, Madrid or... Barcelona. You you play, you force a transfer by playing out of your skin. It's, exactly. So you, 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 you nobody's playing shit and going, do you want to buy me? They're like, no. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I'm sorry. Look here. Look, I've been a United fan all my life, lads. I remember, um, I remember the year BC before Cantona. Okay, <laughs> we weren't great. We had a glorious time, and now we're not great again. And we need to get this idea out of our head. That like a mate of mine is a Liverpool fan. He slags me all the time now, and he was like, "Oh, what's it like being a United fan now?" And I was like, "I'm assuming it's like being a Liverpool fan for the last thirty years." Yeah, definitely. You expect a lot and are not returned on your investment. That's what happens. Manchester United is essentially. It's like a bad relationship. Like, yeah. I love them, but they just keep treating me bad. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And the other thing is, as well, Paddy Parr did a brilliant, um, is it like the fans crying one? Or the yeah, it's yeah, where yeah, they yeah. take all the stuff? The dramatic fan The dramatic fan read was brilliant after the Arsenal game. And I was like, I totally agree with, with most of the things that are being said, but I also agree that they should be mocked for it. Yeah. Which was, I was like, lads, we're just not great. Yeah. Let's, let's just be hopeful. Let's enjoy the days we have. Yeah. And we'll if we go into being one of those teams, if we go into being... Like an Arsenal or where, you know, the, the former greats or who used to, you know, if we can take t- uh, points off big teams, yeah. that might be what we're doing. If we can, we could revert to the new Arsenal, the new Arsene Wenger model of keep the club in business by finishing fourth or at least getting into Europe every year yeah. to keep the money coming over. And eventually on the hope that we would get a couple of quid together. Uh, but the problem is getting a couple of quid together to buy people is usually spunked on somebody like Paul Pogba. Yeah. And we're back to Paul. And, and well, there you go. I mean, that's, that's as, a, as a comedian, that should always come back yeah, to a callback. A wee callback. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Donny van de Beek and Cavani subbed on. And uh, as I say every time uh, we talk about United, very positive from Cavani. And Donny van de Beek is a great sign as well. He uh, hit the post in the second half. Yeah, I think Arsenal had a bit of woodwork action as well. So, yeah. it could have been, could have been scarier. But it was, it was like top of the bar and over, wasn't it? It wasn't, yeah, yeah, it didn't yeah, smash yeah. the bar. It wasn't like, uh, or uh, are you talking about Danny Van de Beek's? No, no, no. Uh, uh, Arsenal, who took the Arsenal shot? Arsenal, I think. Aubameyang, probably. Did he hit a bar? Hit a bar. Somebody hit a bar. Mm-hmm. Somebody hit a post. But that was the longest uh, Aubameyang had went. So it's been five games since he scored in the Premier League for Arsenal. And that was the longest he's had since uh, joining the club from Borussia Dortmund. So I feel like that's why they were like, let him have a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Get the, way, get the wee man's confidence up. See, one of the things that, something I wanted to ask you about West Ham as well, which mm-hmm. I said at the start, I was like, I've got a question I need to ask you about the about um, West Ham, will do it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Whenever, so United are always talking about, oh, we need to buy this, we need to buy that, because mm-hmm. it's a club that is used to having money, yeah. pre-Glazers, so one of the biggest clubs in the world still, mm-hmm. even with their oh, even with their success. Yeah, reputation, uh, which attracts players, but it's probably going to get harder and harder to attract mm-hmm. those players once you become a mid-table club. Because obviously everybody signs up and then you get that American bullshit. Oh, it's a great franchise. And you're yeah. like, fuck up. We know, yeah. we know it's a brilliant team. We know, it's a, we know it's, the history is great, yeah, yeah, the history but the present's is terrible. No, the current product is not great. Um, getting money together-wise, 
West Ham, whenever they moved to the is it City of London? Is that what you call it? Uh, the, the Olympic Stadium. Stadium. Yeah, the yeah, London Stadium. Stadium. Did they have to buy that, or was it provided by the uh, city? I, they were in a bidding war with Tottenham. Yeah, I remember that. Stadium, uh, which uh, I'm not quite sure about the financial uh, ramifications or anything like that. But I remember going to the first West Ham game. Uh, it was a friendly against Juventus there, and as soon as I walked in and like. It's the it it just felt I don't know because I've been to like Stadio Olimpico with the track around it and there's still an atmosphere. It was nothing like that. I think. Is there a big happened, disconnect? I feel that there is. Like you're wa- like you're watching it from further away than because yeah. I've been to Old Trafford and it's so tightly yeah. packed. United or Old Trafford is one of the nicest uh, stadiums you can go to uh, for football experiences as well. Now I haven't been to the likes of you know. Uh, Anfield during like a big game or anything like that but from seeing it it looks one of those places just like Old Trafford is but one of the things as well like how did something like moving stadium affect West a club like West Ham their finances do you have money to buy anybody we've had some big enough signings like there there was a period there where we were getting uh, people the elk of like uh, Jack Wilshire who you know was this quality rising English star who, you know, just didn't make it with Arsenal, and now he's come back to his boyhood club, and he was supposed to be, you know, take on take, take over from Mark Noble as Mr. West Ham. That, it didn't materialise or anything like that. So, but we, we got good players for sheep, such as Mikel Antonio, Ogona, um, Sebastian Hilaire, Manuel Lanzini. Uh, we had Felipe Anderson, but he's now on the, I think it's Lazio, um, which actually disturbs me a wee bit because West Ham have a big connection with Mussolini's team. Oh yeah, we yeah. talked about that previously, yeah. yeah mm. Which is crazy. But, no, um, it's just something I wanted to, was wondering about because obviously most clubs have their homes but moving home, like Tottenham had to go build a new stadium because they yeah. didn't win that bidding yeah. against West Ham. Could you imagine uh, Tottenham moving to East London? So that is, so the main rivalry or the main derby would be West Ham uh, against Tottenham? Instead of Arsenal being the North London derby, yeah. So well, that's the other thing as well because they talk about a big rivalry between Tottenham and Chelsea, but they're not really close to each other, are they? No. Well, Chelsea's in its own parliament yeah. altogether. Yeah, yeah. O- over the West, it's very strange. No, I was just wondering what it sort of affects finance-wise, as as, as if like because the stadium was already built, yeah. but they're just did they buy it off the city council? Do you buy it from the Olympic? Yeah, who who owned that? I assumed it was probably the London Council or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, like, it's a big old one, and that's hard to fill, you know what I mean? Yeah, I miss the bowling ground, man. Oh, I'd say so. I mean, a lot, a lot of teams that play... Is it... Is Craven Cottage now the oldest? Yeah. Fulham? It, it's it's getting renovated at the minute, so I'm kind of... Like, Craven Cottage is a lovely pitch as well. I know, because I remember somebody saying that they, they just, like, randomly went. Fulham were playing somebody that wasn't going to sell out. Like, so yeah. one of the boys who was at uni over there, he's like, I went to a Fulham match, and it was class. I was like, Fulham? He goes, well, not the football. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> the atmosphere, the tightness of the pitch, he was just like, the, the difference of it was yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like in the old the old uh, like pillars in the stand. No, you can't yeah. sit behind the pillar, you yeah. can't see. Uh, I love that one. And Fratton Park would be the same where uh, Portsmouth play. Yes. I think it's the oldest. No, I may be wrong. It may probably be like Notts County or something like that. But uh, Fratton Park is like one of the oldest uh, pitches or stadiums in the game. And it's apparently it's like stepping back in time, and they're definitely kind of like a bucket list uh, team that I want to go see play at home. Portsmouth, Portsmouth. I went to uh, where was I? I went to see Derby play Leeds like twenty years ago in Pride Park, Derby. Mm-hmm. I went there and I was chatting to Derby fans, and they were like, "Oh, I miss the baseball ground," which apparently was a totally decrepit, yeah. falling down around the rear stadium, mm-hmm. and then they built. But it's obviously people have connection to it, or exactly. And they have that. that yeah, place I want to go because I got voted the the best uh, atmosphere. I want to go to St James's Park. Oh really? Yeah, no, I, I went to the last West Ham away game there. Um, it's kind of weird for away fans just because you're up in the fucking nosebleeds and you know you're not really. But if you're a Newcastle fan, I think it would be a lovely uh, stadium to be. You know, have all your home games. Yeah, they're not nuts. Like this, they seem to sell out most games. Yeah, but not necessarily to watch a Newcastle team play because yeah, but since here's gone, you know, shit. just break your heart. Sorry, I sidetracked you totally. What yeah. was your What was your next game that you wanted to do? Uh, no, that's all the games I got covered. For nice. Football. So, uh, do you want to move on to the rugby? Yes, let's let's talk about the rugby. So, 
He said... To you? Weird. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we'll start with a Guinness Pro 14. Uh, Ulster were away to Cardiff. It was a decent win for Ulster. Yep. Um, Jake Cooney, uh, M. Laurie, uh, penalty at the start, and they end up trailing at halftime. Oh, no, a point ahead at halftime. So, 8-7 uh, at the half, and then uh, penalty in the second half. It looked there was nothing happened in the second half, but a decent enough win for... Uh, Quite a low score, uh, 11-7. I was actually the cafe manager, a lot of the Ulster boys come in and I'll be chatting about games. What do you hear this? So the day they, the day that is on because of Cardiff, or Cardiff, because of COVID restrictions going to Cardiff, the travel itinerary was meet at 9 o'clock at Belfast Airport, fly to Cardiff, they go to a hotel, they don't check in, they have a team room that you can like have a nap in, stretch, they'll have their physios and all there, and they go to the stadium play the game at 6pm on a Monday night Ooh, I think rugby's doing this because there's obviously so much competition because there's so much sport at the weekends oh, yeah, yeah. so they've moved rugby to midweek mm. to try and get somebody to watch it okay. yeah. makes sense it's not as popular a sport I get that but they're doing this so they're there at 6 o'clock on a Monday night play the game finish the game and straight back on the plane home I don't. I mean with the restrictions I'm not even sure if they're allowed to use a shower in the stadiums that's the they beside like in the middle Two like Ulster rugby players on the way back haven't showered from the game. Yeah, I feel I feel like they're I feel like they've organised a plane though. They're not on like a Ryan or a flight from uh, with a stag do from Cardiff. I mean, does that smell you? Fuck off! All right, all right, sorry. Yeah, I've been on a stag weekend in Cardiff. I haven't watched either. Yeah, I see here. Uh, Monster Hammer the Dragons. Edinburgh beat Scarlets six yeah. three. A couple of years ago, I went to the Pro 14 final and I saw Munster get hammered by Scarlets. Yeah. So that's definitely different. That was down in the Aviva. It was great. I was going to say it was a great final, but it wasn't. It was right after uh, Axel Foley had passed away, who was the Munster manager. Uh, and I, thought, the, I thought that was the guy from... Beverly Hills Cop. That's where he gets his nickname. But um, that is that was his nickname. Yeah. And then there's more. There's actually more games. Who else? Leinster beat Glasgow 32-19. Of course they did. Leinster have got the most. They've got seven titles in the Pro 14 since it started. They are monsters of people. I watched them play the, la- the last time they played Ulster and was just like, this is like watching guys playing on the team. Yeah. It's mental. Although, from what Ulster was from 1999, the last European Championship they won, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm looking at it with like that you know pop filter of uh, nostalgia looking back on it. But during, because like, I remember my dad took me to a lot of, because he was big into rugby, more than he would be in football. Like he never took me to football games in uh, at home, but he'd always take me to the rugby games, whether it be uh, Collegians, Harlequins, or Ulster. Um, what was my point? Yeah. Okay. Um, like looking at it as in you're going, you're going to the games and you're expecting or anticipating that at least they play well enough to get points and stuff like that. I remember what was like last year, no, two years ago, watching uh, Munster against Ulster in Ravenhill, and how you're just like, this used to be such a class fixture, now it's dog shit. <laughs> yeah, I think the only thing, the only other one, that, or the next game upcoming then is this Saturday, is uh, Munster playing Benetton, the French team, mm-hmm. not the Formula One race team. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that'd be a bit one sided, I'd say. Just playing the pit crew. There's no call for that, boys. <laughs> Uh, moving on to GAA, did you watch the games? I did. Uh, it was the end of Division 1 and then there was the first round of the Ulster Championship, which was brilliant, which threw up the first... Uh, this is the first time in 20 years the competition has been a straight knockout because it used to be that there was a backdoor system, which meant if you got knocked out, you went into a pool, you got a draw and it gave you a, a chance to get a few more games under your belt. I remember you trying to explain this to me, like... Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, so there's a normal championship. If you get put out of the championship, you go into the backdoor system where you could be drawn from to play someone from anywhere in Ireland. And if you put out of that, there's a sack race, and then there's an egg and spoon race. If you lose that one, you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> it was a pretty much just like a second chance. Yeah. And it's a, it's ended up a few times teams that have been beaten once in the old school uh, way of doing things would have been out mm. have actually ended up winning the All Ireland. Which actually, I think the year it happened, Tyrone beat Armagh in the All Ireland final, which I was at, which was heartbreaking. But they had been beaten earlier in the year, and then came back and won the All Ireland. Who, who put them out? Uh, I can't remember. It was in the Ulster Championship. They got they would have got beaten because obviously only one team came out in Ulster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But um, yeah, this weekend, Cavan played Monaghan. Cavan are Division 3 team, Monaghan are Division 1 team. Cavan beat them by a point with the last kick of the game. The goalkeeper scored a point from 55, 55 yards. He was just at, just over the halfway line. It was a phenomenal kick. Yeah. But so yeah, that, that that's not a crazy occurrence in Gaelic, right? No, you you'll get the you're, yeah, a keepers yeah. hitting freezes seems to be a new thing. Now Morgan from Tyrone does it. Rory Began from Monaghan does it. Uh, but it's really weird because I get if it's like a range kick if you're far out, yeah, your keeper can thump it far, harder. Aye, yeah, yeah. But surely I think now Morgan came up with target kick for Tyrone the other day against Donegal that was like 20, 30 yards out. I'm like, is there no forwards that can do that? Yeah. That's isn't that their job? <laughs> so they had that. Uh, yeah, Cavan beat Monaghan, which was a big shock, but that's the second year in a row they've done it. Mm. But nobody expected them to do it. Uh, Tyrone got beaten by Donegal, oh, which... Yes. I, I, I thought it was Armagh playing Donegal, but it was Tyrone. No, Armagh playing Donegal in the next round because okay. we beat Derry, but Tyrone-Donegal was a good old game. The problem with playing it this time of year is that the weather's horrendous, yeah, yeah, which so suited people from Donegal because in July in Donegal, the weather's horrendous. Yeah, yeah. So in November, they were like, oh, it's pissing rain, the ball's slippy. Suits so us lovely. Yeah. Yeah, for 30 years. <laughs> so they beat Tyrone, which is weird because in the last league fixture, Tyrone beat Donegal. So, yeah. But people say the league counts for nothing. Championship is all... A team can literally elevate themselves and you'll get a team who will play mentally what is their All-Iron Final. So I would say Cavan beating Monaghan was mentally their All-Iron Final. Yeah. I don't think they'll... They probably won't win Ulster. Donegal would probably win Ulster because they're yeah. a Division 1 team. They're a good team. And Are Mag going up to Division 1? Would they not be with... Hopefully at a point where it'll be that'll be kind of next year's football where you'll get up and play playing Division One football is just it's a whole other speed it's another yeah. gear yeah. that you it's need like to find it's, yeah it's the it's the the kind of graduation of moving from a, like a championship team to the Premier League yeah yeah so you'll see the pace difference you'll see the fitness difference you'll see the you know just the overall like gamesmanship and all that kind of stuff so Arma go up next year which will be great. Uh, they'll probably, honestly, as an RMA fan, we'll probably take a couple of hidings from big teams. Yeah. But it's the only way to find out. Exactly. And we'll play, we beat Derry by two points yeah. in Celtic Park and Derry. RMA took off flying. RMA Division 2 team going up to Division 1, Derry Division 3 team. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Derry haven't been great for a long amount of years. And probably that game they played against RMA was the best they've played in years. Mm-hmm. Now, we did let them back in, which is a classic thing as an RMA fan, which is take off flying, mm. give the fans hope, and then make you absolutely shit yourself for the last 30 minutes. So we, ju- we just did enough to win, and the next game is Donegal, which, with my orange-tinted glasses, I would love to see us win, but yeah. as a realist, probably not. Yeah. But, um, but we will go anyway. Exactly. I will support them all the way, and we will go out on our shields. Oh. Hopefully. Okay. We'll just have a go at it, because Donegal are a very big team. I'm going, to, I'm going to make a point to watch the next round of yes. the Ulster Championship just so because to be honest I've watched uh, I, I think I've told you about this uh, going to Newry to watch down against I think it was Westmeath yep. maybe a year or two ago and uh, it was kind of it was kind of weird because I um, on like St. Patrick's Day you know the Schools Cup final there's rugby and also GAA when uh, I, I would kind of watch the highlights of that going like this is a mad sport <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, apart from that, that was like the first game that I'd ever seen, and it was so weird because um, obviously being from a Protestant background and stuff like that, you're not exposed to a lot of the stuff that's happening uh, at like Gaelic pitches and stuff like that. But there was a raffle at halftime, and they announced the winning ticket number when I was sat there, and I shit you not, the winning raffle ticket was sixteen ninety. Brilliant. I mean, like. That's when you think that The Matrix was actually a documentary and not just a movie. Did you just quietly in yourself go, you? I just looked at uh, uh, my close friend Cormac Beanie and just was like, uh, yeah, I'm not the only one that thinks this is weird. Yeah, no, um, Downer playing Fermanagh this week in Brewster Park and Fermanagh. I think people are thinking Downer are going to win, but it'll be, I think it'll be tight enough. Mm, up, down, that's what I said. Up, down and all around. <laughs> I'm trying to think who else is on then. Antrim are playing Calvin. Calvin should beat Antrim. And then, yeah, that'll be, after that, it'll be an Ulster semi-final. So, Calvin and Down, after, because Donegal and Tyrone played in the very first round and they're the two top teams in Ulster. Did Donegal win? Donegal beat Tyrone. So, the main point is, they're, whoever's on the other side of the draw, because there's yeah. obviously two sides, and then we'll meet up. 
Cavan and Down will probably be fancying themselves to try and make it into an Ulster final. Which, even if you get a thumping, is a big deal. Yeah. To say, well, we got it to a provincial final, it's progress as a team, but a lot of it's luck of the draw. Yeah. Uh, down or still in Division 3, right? Yes, they didn't go up. I think they had a possibility of it, but they got beat by Louth on the last day, which was... They're not even a real county. Yeah, yeah. They're the wee county, the smallest county in Ireland. That's that's literally their nickname. Counties have nicknames. Theirs is the wee county. Do you like the way I remembered that from your set? Yep. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay. So, uh, that's pretty much us done with the sport, unless you want to talk about tennis. No, story time. Story time. <laughs> Okay, moving on to story time this week. Uh, this week we are going to talk about uh, sports dynasties, uh, well, family dynasties in sport. So um, I've got a couple of different examples of it. Uh, and first we go over to uh, the States and uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, we're looking at the Guerrero family. Okay, so Eddie, Chavo, Chavo, Chavo Jr. Chavo Jr. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, uh, they're not baseball players. They're professional wrestlers. Oh, yeah. Juventud? <laughs> what? Juventud Guerrero? Is, is that a thing? I think that was like their dad. Uh, oh, I thought you were just sneezing. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, <untithed. laughs> What? Um, so, Vladimir Guerrero was a nine-time all-star outfielder in the major leagues, probably most famous for his time with the LA, or Anaheim Angels. Let me get this right. Vladimir Guerrero. Mm-hmm. So, half Russian, half Mexican? Sounds like it. Yeah. No, no, not Mexican. Um, the... Uh, Dominican Republic, I think. Oh, yeah, actually. Well, there's loads of professional yeah, yeah. Oh, baseballers yeah, yeah, yeah. from the Dominican yeah. Republic, isn't there? Cubans, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, loads. Got you. Um, so, Vladimir was a nine-time All-Star, uh, and he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2018. But his brother, Wilton Guerrero, played eight years in the majors. Two brothers played minor league baseball, Elzar uh, Guerrero, which is a great name, um, who never made it past the Dominican Summer League. And Julio Cesar Guerrero. All of these names are phenomenal. Uh, like, if I need a fake name, this is what I'm going to. <laughs> um, who received a large signing bonus but popped out in Class A, which is kind of like the equivalent of the championship in baseball terms. Uh, the next uh, generation includes Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is now currently... Uh, he signed uh, a contract and made his Major League debut in 2019 with the Toronto Blue Jays. Upper Jays. And, he, yeah, he's actually... Decent player, like really good. Um, obviously didn't do too well this year. The the old Blue Jays, but hey. Um, <laughs> uh, so where were we? Um, so Elzar, which is uh, a brother of Vladimir Guerrero, uh, he has uh two sons, Gabriel Guerrero, who reached the majors in two thousand eighteen, and uh, this is a weird pronunciation. Yours. J O U S U J O S U E Guerrero. J what? J O U S E. J O U S E. So not not Jose. Okay, for now. Although Jose, who signed with the Chicago White Sox in 2016 and started in their their farm system. Two and then there's two sisters who played professionally as well. Not two sisters. Not two sisters. Two sons of the sister. There we go. Um, also played professionally, Jose uh, Guerrero, who was a pitcher in the New York Mets organization, and Gregory <laughs> Guerrero, just like alliteration there, um, a shortstop who just signed his first uh, pro contract in 2015. That's massive for one family that all those people be professional. Isn't that crazy? The thing is, I've just looked up here, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is actually Canadian-born. Oh, really? Yeah, Canadian-born oh, yes, Dominican. Yeah. Uh, he's from. He was born in Montreal. Yeah, because... Oh, uh, did that play for the Montreal... Expos before they folded. Must have. Ah. Oh. But I, I just from when I started watching uh, baseball, he was the right fielder for the Anaheim Angels. I watched um I watched a thing one time and it was have you ever seen that the the only reason that it was able to be one of the reasons the Expos folded and the Toronto Blue Jays was able to maintain themselves. The Rogers Center in Toronto has a roof. Oh, for real. That's literally it. Shit. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> they can play all year because they yeah. shut the roof. Yeah, yeah. So I was running there in the summer when the roofs open and it's glorious. Same, but same with Minnesota Twins. It makes well. total sense. You're just like, yeah, their winters are pretty shite. If you can't close the roof, you can't have a team. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's mad. And that's the main reason why Expos folded. I think. I mean, I think Expos yeah, obviously. Uh, back, yeah, right? Montreal's a smaller city as well. So. True. But they. Um, yeah, I think if they're. I mean, fuck, you can't play. <laughs> you can't play outdoors for too long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In Canada. Yeah, there's a reason they're they're national sport. The first national sport is. 
Um, it's not ice hockey. It's ice hockey is their winter sport. It's their version of hurling. What's it called? Lacrosse. Lacrosse. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, because it's uh, like an indigenous sport. Yes. Um, okay, moving on to uh, American football. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the Manning tribe. So Archie Manning uh, was the patriarch of the Mannings. Um, he used to be a starting quarterback for the Los Angeles... No, not Los Angeles. Uh, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and then he, his first son, uh, Cooper Manning, which is Archie's oldest, obviously, was born in 1974, and at the age of 18, he was diagnosed with spinal stenosis, uh, which caused him to stop playing football because he was projected to, you know, hit the majors, uh, just like his father did. But as of 2010, he was a partner in the New Orleans Energy Investment Firm, which are one of the sponsors for the New Orleans Saints. So that's the family connection in there. Uh, but Cooper's son, Arch Manning, is a top-rated high school quarterback in the class of 2023, and he's projected to make it to the big leagues. What age are the, the, the two older Mannings, though? They, like, so he's got like a teenage kid who's still in high school, and then the two boys have been playing professional for years. Well, uh, Cooper... Uh, is there a big age gap in the family? I, I don't think so. Uh, 1974, 1976, and 1981. Hmm. So Eli being the youngest and Peyton being the middle child. Um, but yeah, Cooper Manning's son looks Arch Manning, you know, keep out, keep a lookout for him. In, uh, He'll be on like the new series of QB1 on Netflix or something. Um, but with uh, Peyton Manning, uh, Peyton was Archie's second son, born in 1976. Uh, all of them are quarterbacks, which is weird. I don't know if it's a net thing or calling <sighs> the shots. Maybe so. I mean, if you're very good yeah, you're like I want to play here. Okay, fair enough. Uh, just a little side back as I as I do a bit of research as you're chatting there. Um, I didn't realize the Montreal Expos did not fold. They became the Washington Nationals. No, serious. There you go. So that was what we will do a feature about teams moving. That's another yeah. idea we've had. But let's stay on focus. That was just something I saw and I was like, hey, we've got something for next week. <laughs> That's crazy. So the Manning. So there's one, two full professional franchise players, quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh. The other brother, who was going to be a star, only yeah. medical reasons, mm-hmm. his son is going to be a quarterback, Looks and like their it. dad was a quarterback as well. Yep. Phenomenal. So, uh, yes, uh, Peyton was uh, selected first overall in the 1998 NFL draft after attending the University of Tennessee, and obviously university sports are uh, like college football, college basketball, baseball, hockey are huge in America. Uh, uh, and they're picked up by major sporting networks like you know ESPN and stuff like that just because you know for the longest time and still in some places aren't paid for uh, they can't like get any merchandising rights or anything like that so they can't make any money off being like an NCAA player or anything like that oh there's there's that's not tied into any contract so no. you're literally just there to get a degree supposedly and if you move on great yeah. if you don't I've actually learned a thing as well where if people are really good they and you think you're able to go into the NFL, if you can be drafted a year early, you can go out without your degree. Mm-hmm. I was like, but there are people who opt to stay in and be like, well, let's face it, if the average, I think the average lifespan of a, an NFL player is something like four years. Yeah, even the, It's like you have a short space of time. So when you see those guys like the quarterbacks who've been playing for 15, 16, 17 years, yeah. you're like, that's yeah. freak. That is just pure luck. Yeah. yeah. So like, Tom Brady is the anomaly there. Yeah, the, was he the last pick in his round? Yeah, what he was like 144th. Ridiculous pick. Yeah, which is absolutely mental. There's, for... there's. A, I remember watching a bit of a documentary about him, and it was like the the difference of sort of the hard work versus the talent. Yeah. And his, his coaching report, which is the thing they do in American football, where they'll have them. Yeah, it'll the be like mentality, match, yeah. strength, and they were. His, his, his coaching report was just like oh, he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, he can throw a ball. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Um, but he's con- uh, Peyton Manning is considered one of the greatest uh, players in NFL history. He led the Indianapolis Colts to a 29-17 victory in Super Bowl Roman numeral, which I can't work out. X X L I. X L I. X is fifty, isn't? It? Oh no, no, X is ten. 10. L is fifty, so forty-one. X L I is forty-one. Oh, uh, over the Chicago Bears and. Uh, 4th of February 2007 uh, and he was the game's MVP and then after missing an entire season in 2011 he signed with the Denver Broncos in 2012 won a Super Bowl there against the Carolina Panthers uh, in 2006 and he retired from professional football a month later on March 7th and now he's appearing in like different roast battles on Comedy Central he retired in 2016 at 40 he played for 18 seasons 
That is phenomenal. And he's still sharp as a tackler. I, I guess it's because they're probably the most protected players in the game. They'd still get run into a fair amount. Yeah, there's, there's sacks happen and stuff like that. But yeah. I think it's like the main thing is don't let, you know, Peyton get a concussion if we want to win the Super Bowl kind of thing. And uh, moving on to the youngest of the family, Eli Manning. He was born in New Orleans in 1981. He's a former quarter, uh, quarterback for the New York Giants. Uh, and he was drafted number one overall by the San Diego Chargers in the 2004 NFL Draft. However, he was traded to the Giants for Philip Rivers on draft day. Uh, after repeatedly, repeatedly threatening not to sign with the Chargers, uh, he led the Giants to the Super Bowl uh, and won 17-14 over the then undefeated New England Patriots team, which I remember watching that final, and I was never as glad to see the Patriots lose. Actually, yeah, I it was I would say it was probably the biggest underdog win of all Super Bowls. One of the things as well is obviously because Eli Manning was so influential, like um, was the whole point that he played for sixteen seasons as well. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing about him was like he retired this year. Actually, yeah. he retired basically after the Super Bowl ended this year, or January. So mm-hmm. January season, he um, apparently New York Giants are terrible yeah but they had a great quarterback yeah like the rest of the team he was just picking up slack everywhere and then recently they had a great i think wide receiver in odell beckham jr who was like uh, in terms of sales for jerseys like number one in the whole nfl moved to cleveland browns which are it's kind of like messy leaving and going to Deportivo La Coruña just a big money one or yeah. so they want to sell jerseys and they'll, they'll bring him in and he's yeah. going to take a well, lot of money to not win anything yeah well obviously the idea is he's going to be a good player and hopefully they'll win a couple of games but realistically realistically they're not making any Super Bowl anytime soon I know one it's really weird in American football because they have a panel of like 80 players so having you're like oh that one guy you're like that, that one guy has got to be really special yeah or he needs to be Tom Brady he needs to be, or he needs to be a quarterback yeah uh, so yeah, um, he won again against the New England Patriots. So he's two and zero when he's playing the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh, he won twenty, and they were both very close games. So uh, they won by four points in two thousand and twelve, and they only won by three points the previous Super Bowl, um, which is crazy. And he won the most valuable player for both of the Super Bowls and retired from football following the 2019 season. So that's that's two brothers that have both Super Bowl rings with different franchises. Mm-hmm. Like, they weren't even played together because obviously yeah. they're, they play well, the same position. Peyton, yeah, Peyton getting uh, a ring with Indianapolis Colts and the Denver Broncos. Oh, he's two with two and two franchises? Yeah, but Eli just got both with the Giants. Still, that's two each. That's crazy, like, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's madness that they've come from the one family. So moving on from American football to uh, the actual football, um, I thought uh, there, there's a couple, I, I was thinking about maybe doing the Good Johnsons um, because they were able to play in the same team. Either Good Johnson? Yeah, Iger Good Johnson and his son who both played for Iceland. Um, I'm blanking on the son's name, but I don't think he was as good. He, like he didn't play for Chelsea or Barca or anything. But uh, I decided to go with the Ferdinands. So, Les Ferdinand enjoyed a successful career in the Premier League, bagging goals galore for the likes of QPR, Newcastle, and Spurs. His cousin, Rio, do you know who he is? Rio Ferdinand? Rio Ferdinand, heard, heard of that guy. Yeah. Um, Captain Big Mar- tall dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> number five. Uh, Rio captained Man United to Champions League glory in addition to representing England at senior level on 91 different occasions, and since then, obviously, becoming a successful pundit. Uh, now, uh, are you aware that Rio Ferdinand had a brother called Anton Ferdinand? Yes. And did you know that he was one of my favourite players growing up for West Ham? I was going to say, did they both end up at West Ham? Uh, so Rio started his career at West Ham. I remember that. the academy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Anton did not. Where did he do he, academy? I'm pretty sure Yeovil. But uh, that, that could be me making it up. But uh, I know he, he played for Yeovil. So he played for the lower leagues, came to West yeah, Ham, yeah. whereas... Rio Ferdinand started at West Ham and moved. Okay. Mm-hmm. And moved on to United. Uh, or, sorry, Leeds, then United, then... Les Ferdinand was QPR and Newcastle, right? QPR and Newcastle and Spurs. Spurs as well. Sorry, yeah. I was like, damn it, who else did he play for? He was good, man. Yeah. I remember him playing. Really good player. A lot of headers. I know it was really weird. Forward and Rio was a defender. Sorry? I said, yeah, the yeah, way yeah, we yeah, play, yeah, it's just totally yeah. different. Uh, yeah, Anton and Rio, both centre-backs. And obviously, Anton was... Uh, the person that John Terry racially abused when Anton was playing for QPR. That's right. Yeah, so that's 
probably where you remember the name. Not yeah. John, John Terry, a bit of a shit in different years. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> who'd have thought showing up to the Champions League and putting his kit on was the worst thing he'd done? No way, it wasn't. Yeah, crazy. And then slipping up uh, in Moscow as well for the penalty. That's right. Uh, that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Manchester United won the Champions League. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so weird doing Steve playing in Moscow. <laughs> that's only Ali of Um So while cousin uh, Kean Ferdinand currently plays for National League South Club Woking. I mean, like, uh, technically, uh, it's football. And the 26-year-old previously played 100 games for the likes of Southend United and Peterborough United. Here, if you can make a career out of it, as much as we laugh, even if, if you can play football and make, like, three grand a week. Yeah. For Foxy. Exactly. I would happily be Lee Grant sitting on the United bench, never playing a game. That would, <laughs> like, getting to travel, to watch, like, you, and you've got, like, pitch-side seats yeah, yeah. for every single game. Just training really hard and getting paid to hang out. Oh, be man. great. <laughs> I kind of want that but in terms of like comedy you know I never want a headline I just want to be brought along for the ride do five minutes yeah I would I would love to just open for like absolute killers we're like I did a good job and then watch somebody destroy and yeah. go I really enjoyed that show <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on to GAA we've got one for uh, football and hurling now I'm going to try my best for the pronunciations of these surnames like I do with every single um, I know this. This isn't somebody from like Sub-Saharan Africa or like or like Russia. You're gonna struggle with somebody from Ireland. Yeah, go yeah. for it. Um, so uh, moving on to uh, GA football side, uh, we're looking at the Brogans for Dublin football team. Gotcha. Um, and they kind of they seem like the you know the evil empire of uh, football in recent generations. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It's the there's the argument of the the money and funding versus population kind of thing because yeah, yeah. obviously Dublin is the most populous county in Ireland mm-hmm. so it would make sense they would always produce a good football team because they have the bigger picks yeah, yeah. the argument yeah. from Dublin would be that they also have a lot of other sports that are competing with yeah. so GAA there needs more money to produce more coaches but they've pretty much put in a fantastic underage system mm-hmm. which can't even be annoyed about because they, they started their work on this like 15-20 years ago yeah. to produce the players that will, that will eventually yeah there's no yeah. point trying to find the guy fully formed. You need to make him. Yeah, exactly. So this is this is one of the things the Brogans were good at, which was because obviously, as you're going to point out, that their dad was a yeah. So Bernard Brogan Senior won two All Ireland medals with Dublin and two National Football League Division One medals and four All Stars. Four teams of the year. Uh, perhaps better known are his sons, though. So Dublin and Saint Oliver Plunkett football players Paul Bernard Junior and Alan Brogan. Uh, Alan has the most titles to his name with seven Leinster titles, two All-Irelands and three All-Stars to date. Uh, but he is closely followed by his younger brother, Bernard Jr., who has six Leinster titles, two All-Irelands and uh, three All-Stars himself. Is that is that information in date? Because I feel like Bernard Brogan's got more All-Irelands than that. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, Dublin did five in a row. Brogan, I'm pretty sure, was definitely part of the panel of three. Did he play in three? And then he was kind of, maybe he missed a year. That'll annoy me, but still the point is they're all Ireland winners yeah, as yeah. well as their dads. They're very good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it kind of just seems like Alan's just, uh, uh, Alan's got the most titles, but Paul kind of seems, I don't know, probably the the Cooper Manning out of the Brogans. Yeah, well you have, um, also Bernard Brogan was the captain of uh, the international rules team in 2015. Is that the one where they, it's like half Aussie rules, half? Yeah, it's a it's compromise rules, so they mix the two games together. Play with the round ball. I went to the series in I think twenty four twenty fifteen actually I went to see the last series, which was at the Subiaco Oval in Perth and Ireland lost. And then after actually Ireland were doing quite well for a while well because the Aussies wouldn't the the top players from the Aussie rules were like, Well, I don't want to play this exhibition game and get injured. Yeah, so for years the Aussies were setting out teams that Ireland were smashing. Yeah. One year, one year they tried to sort of hide it and go, well, we're setting an entirely, an entirely indigenous team jazz like a cultural thing. And you're like, would you just send your best players and stop yeah. decking around? It, it meant that there was no series for a few years because they were like, well, look, if you aren't going to play, we're not going to bother doing it. Yeah, exactly. Because it was supposed to be a cross-cultural thing. But um, yeah, they sent an indigenous team in Ireland, stuffed them in two games in Crow Park. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, in like the, um, the father-son thing, the dynasties, one of the big things in Gaelic football is more so the brothers. Yeah. That's a massive thing. So like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely uh, the example with the Kilkenny hurling team that we're just about to cover. Now, I'm going to try my best here. 
but is it the Fennelys? Fennelys, yes. Fennelys, right, I did good. Um, the Fennelly family from Ballyhale have a remarkable collection of titles to their name. It started with seven brothers winning three All-Ireland clubs for Ballyhale Shamrocks. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's some achievement. Yes, that's massive. Yeah, which is for, from one family. Um, with all seven of them starting in two of those finals, three of them would go on to win All-Ireland medals uh, with Hurling, uh, with Kilkenny. Yeah, that's yeah. Bit, yeah, Kenny are always in there and about. Mm. Do you want a full fact about Ballyhill Shamrocks? They were only formed in 1972. Yeah, so they're not exactly like a, a... Well, they're probably a dynasty team now, now. based yeah. on <laughs> based on uh, results alone, but there you go, yeah. Yeah, and in more recent years, Michael Jr. and Colin are both All-Ireland winners and former captain uh, of the Cats, which I'm going to is Kilkenny. Yep, Kilkenny Cats. Colin Fenley was a f- serious baller. Uh, and in 2013, Ballyhill won the County Intermediate Championship with six families starting and three more on the panel. Wow. Yeah. So nine of the family between brothers, nephews. Yeah, the cousins. Yeah, nephews. sisters, physios. Um, you see the panel, is that kind of just like the bench? Or? The panel, your panel would be, if you've got 15 starters, your panel could be 30 players that you're picking the 15 from. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, so. Okay, that's it. That. And the women in the family have just have been just as successful. Mary Fennelly, a cousin of the Seven Brothers, who won three All-Irelands with the Kilkenny women. Wow, the Camogie team. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. That is mad. And that is pretty much us for sporting dynasties. I did have, briefly, I forgot to write down my notes here, but um, I can kind of talk about the, uh, the Howe dynasty from ice hockey. So, Gordy Howe. Uh, and his two sons, who all played for, at the same time for the Hartford Whalers. I was going to say, Gordy Howe, I've heard of. Yeah, Mr. Hockey. It, it, you know you're an important part of the sport when they have different things named after you in the sport. Like, the Gordy Howe Patrick is a goal and assist and a fight in a game. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know you've been a big part of ice hockey. Like. Uh, and that's pretty much us for story time. That'll do. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, just uh, to wrap things up today, uh, any fixtures you're looking forward to in the coming week? Um, you were saying the Armagh are playing Donegal? Armagh are playing Donegal next Sunday. This Sunday, Ulster Championship is Down v Fermanagh and Cavan v Antrim. Okay, I'll definitely try and watch the Down game. Yes, do that, because you are from Down, exactly. so you should okay, you should watch your team. Yeah. No, I, I have a strong connection with um, County Down. Because they share the same colours as Crusaders, so therefore, red and black heart attack, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, in for the Premier League Saturday, uh, United go up against uh, Everton, who have you know kind of devolved into being Everton again, but it's at Goodison Park, so. Well, let, let's hope they continue to be Everton, and at the same point, I can't be confident after what I saw during the week. So a 1-1 one, one maybe nice. I mean if, if we can get it if we can get another penalty yeah, that'd be great yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I reckon it'll be like some like 2-1-3-1 one, one with like Rashford and Fernandez scoring and Calvert-Lewin obviously getting one uh, West Ham go up against Fulham at home yeah uh, well actually Fulham won of the weekend I think they did. I think that I think that was there because was a Paddy Power were given odds on Fulham they were, they were like 200 to 1 they would not win a game all year <laughs> So that they were Fulham were going to yo-yo basically. Yeah. Was yeah, the, no, the prediction? I, I still think they are. Uh, I don't know. I reckon maybe a three 0 win for us because Antonio seems to be okay after the hamstring strain. Uh, with Haller starting up front, Yarmolenko's been pretty good as a replacement for Mikel Antonio. So I don't know if he'd make himself into the squad. I'm just I'm just looking at the actual games. Uh, Chelsea Sheffield, which last year I would have said would have been a great game. Yeah. I'm going to call Chelsea in that one. Sheffield still just. Yeah, not getting back. Just not, not getting, getting the way they were doing. And then the big the big game, obviously, is Man City-Liverpool. Yeah, That'll be the thing, because Liverpool um, are back on top of the league. Yeah, uh, without Van Dijk, too. You know, I saw this on uh, one of the uh, sports pages uh, on Facebook, going like, uh, yeah, we've uh, played more, we're more competitions than anybody else, which is not true. Um, and we've got, you know, uh, injuries uh, to our star players and everybody said we'd be shite without uh, Van Dyke, uh, and we're still top of the league which you know. yeah but you also have four deadly front men yeah, <laughs> so exactly. you're like, you like, have the best attacking football yeah exactly just like lads you're going to concede but you'll be fine yeah exactly uh, who else um, is on Leicester Wolves I'm going to say after watching Leicester what they did to Leeds the other night I'd say they could probably do the same to Wolves mm-hmm. 
I reckon Slavin Bilic might get a result. Think so? Uh, West Brom against Tottenham. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, I don't know. Tottenham are very, very weak at the minute. Oh, yeah, 100%. Conceding silly shit. Uh, did they just about beat Brighton at the weekend? Yeah, 2-1. 2-1, uh, yeah. The VR controversy. Yet again. And then Arsenal Villa. I reckon that would be a decent enough weekend. Probably, probably the best to watch, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that would be the most entertaining game to watch. Yeah, and then there's uh, there's actually like a, nearly a week of a break, but that's that's what we have yeah. this weekend. Uh, international breaks coming up, right? Uh, yes, is that in Northern Ireland? Is yeah. it Slovakia? Yeah, it's Northern Ireland against someone. Yeah, I think that's a Slovakia game. Um, nothing actually mad jumps out apart from Man United Liverpool would probably be the one to watch as the big games go. Yeah, Man United Everton. Hopefully, we can get some points because obviously we're so far down the table. But it's in that point where you're stuck in that pack where a win can jump you yeah, six yeah. places. Yeah, yeah. So let's hope so. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully we'll both get three points each, but then um, we still ahead of you on goal difference. That's very true. Yeah. Goal difference is going to be a, a big issue for us whenever. Teams are scoring a lot against us. Um, <laughs> we'll see the crackers. But yeah, anything else you want to cover? No, that's us, man. That's, uh, for some reason, we've always just hit around the hour to hour four mark. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want it nice and punchy. I want you to be able to listen to this on your lunch break. Talk about consistency, man. Nice. If, if only our fucking teams were this consistent. <laughs> All right, see you guys next week. Uh, I've been Darren Matthews. I've been Jordan Robinson. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.